Hello and welcome back to the 9320 series, No History, with me, your host, Joe. And beginning today is the start of a bumper two-parter, um, quite possibly on one of the most, con- well, not quite possibly, on one of the most controversial members of City's long history, Mr. Peter J. Swales. Joining me to discuss the finest pair of Cuban heels seen in the main road ballroom, and <laughs> two City, No History, well, one one city no history regular in Howard. Howard, how are you? Are you okay? Hello, I'm fine, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, good. I'm good. Just recovering from Christmas, but here we are. <laughs> Aren't we uh, are? Indeed. And a no history debutant, Chris. How are you doing? You okay? Glad to I'm, have you. I'm f- uh, yeah, you too. Merry Christmas to you both as well. I'm a no history, no history <laughs> contributor. <laughs> my first, it's, it's my it's my first time on. So yeah, it's a pleasure to be. On talking about yeah, this interesting individual, Peter Swales. Interesting is a nice, probably the one of the more diplomatic words a city fan has said <laughs> about Peter Swales, uh, and it's a pleasure to have you on. So let's get straight down into the nitty gritty. Um, we're going to split this into two parts. Obviously, he he was the chairman of the club, presiding over a twenty-year period from. <clears throat> roughly around nineteen seventy-three before being ousted. Um, in 1993 um, and I think it would be a good way to uh, obviously as City fans naturally our interest is always primarily on Swales the chairman Swales the, the Manchester City executive slash chairman rather than the man um, but it, it's worth kind of getting into a bit of his, his background um, I, I think it's it's probably well known among City fans that he started out um from a football perspective, uh, working at Altrincham uh, in what was actually a pretty successful era for the team. In fact, I think under his chairmanship, uh, they actually broke a record of 35 consecutive wins to be promoted to, I think it was the league just below the Football League. Uh, and he was also instrumental in beginning the, the Northern Premier League, as it was known then, which was obviously um, kind of a, a top-tiered uh, non-league uh, division just before the football league, as it were, um, and kind of a precursor to to what has become the conference today. Um, and it wasn't just him uh, leading that success; it was also, um, I believe, it's Noel White, who is synonymous with with going on to work for Liverpool Football Club in probably their most successful era. Um, but they were business partners having started in, in the music industry to a degree. Um, Howard, I don't know how familiar you are with, with his roots. I know he started in South Manchester in Altrincham, not far from from, from our patch. Um, uh, and I believe I one of his key, shots was actually in sales, wasn't it? I think the key point here is you're definitely too young to comprehend <laughs> the idea of renting a TV, aren't you? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. It's, it wasn't just TVs either. <laughs> I definitely used to rent a TV out of Altrincham. Yeah. It was probably off him, to be honest. So it just—it's—it's well, it's just amazing to think that nowadays. But yeah, that was how it was done in those days. And yeah, he, I don't think he was very good at the music business, was he? But the TV business went well, and he was start. Yeah, he had a bit of money behind him come uh, the nineteen seventies, which obviously leads on to everything else that follows. So. Yeah, indeed, and and. <clears throat> I think just to stay on Swales, the businessman, as such, he, he did start off, obviously, trying to sell 
uh, I think it was at musical equipment on the back of the booming 60s uh, and then obviously people were just buying televisions um, in masses uh, Chris by by the mid 60s so obviously he picked his profession very well uh, made a lot mm-hmm. of money he opened multiple stores starting out of Altrincham I think there was one in Sale one in Heald Green all over and dotted around South Manchester um, and obviously he had a keen interest in football given his his um, involvement with Altrincham Football Club in surprisingly it was probably their most successful period of their history unfortunately mm-hmm. the same can't be said uh, for stewardship of, of our fine football club but um, I think I, where I'd like to start and I'll start with you Chris before we get into you know the first 10 years of his tenure what were your memories of Peter Swales how, how does his name sit within your city fandom if you will what's interesting is and, 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 and thank you Howard for highlighting our senior age here but I it, no problem. Swales yeah thank you Swales, Swales came to city to prominence kind of three years after I was born so I was born in 1970 so when I really started to become Conscious of City is a team that I would follow. I was about eight or nine. And so so really at that age, I wasn't interested in who the chairperson was or who, who the board were at all. You're interested in the players that came out on a, on a Saturday and afternoon. I think I think when Swales really started to become more prominent to me within that kind of mid to late 80s period, which also f- coincided with where my interest in football slightly waned because late 80s was not a particularly pleasant time to be um, a football fan. I think that for many City fans who were there at the time or have some sort of historical sense of it, Swales is synonymous with many negative things really and i think that what's been interesting in into looking back for in preparation for doing this podcast today has been that like most things it's nuanced and it's and and and, and the, the the real information is in the details i think it's i think it's easy to broad brushstroke peter swell's time and influence uh, at the club and i think that i think i'm kind of hoping that we can unpick some of those things but just to go back a point that you said Joe, when we're talking about how we started out, there is something interesting about Swales is that, and we and we'll think we'll come to this as we as we start to talk about his 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 machinations when he first started to be involved with City, is that he seemed to be a person who was always forward looking. He didn't seem to have much time for sentiment. Um, he was he was quite a progressive minded person, and I think his setting up of of like TV rentals is 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 quite kind of symptomatic of that. He was always looking for he was lo- always looking for an opportunity for him to be able to capitalize on and to thrive. Now, whether that was always towards the greater good, I'm not quite sure, but I think he was quite progressively minded, which is a, in that respect, looking at through that lens, it does seem quite a shame. Of, of how it turned out for him. But I think it's quite interesting that, that yeah, I think for a lot of people, Swales is synonymous with with less celebrated part of City's history. Yeah. Can I just add, senior as two of us might be, we are all looking at this with some retrospect, you know. Yes. From absolutely. what you've learnt actually after the period, you know, yes. during our 40 years of being, uh, or 40 years plus of being supporters. I think when it starts getting p- to personal opinions, it's obviously in part two 
though there's so much to learn and has been learned, you know, after the event from the years we're about to discuss that we're still well capable of painting a pretty full picture. But it becomes a lot more <laughs> when we get towards the end of his reign, basically, and sadly his life as well. I think we're, I think we can say with more confidence where he went wrong and what his mistakes were, or what he did well, or if it was whether it was fair enough. But this first bit still is still undoubtedly one of the most fascinating periods in the club's history. So, you know, a lot has been learned, and I think it, you can paint a pretty fair picture without having to use muscle memory to to do so. Indeed. I think it's it's worth setting the scene as we always do on this podcast in, in terms of the events leading up to Swales taking over the club. Despite the fact the club had been, prior to the modern era, extremely successful and, and going through its golden era um, in the in the five years prior to Swales' um, tenure beginning, it was never a happy place at boardroom level. Um, there'd been a takeover attempt uh, by... Um, I believe it was a gentleman from Oldham who had made his money in uh, the, the glazing business uh, and he essentially tried to buy out um, or buy a significant portion of the club uh, to work alongside uh, Eric Alexander. Now Eric Alexander was in his late 70s by this point and for those who don't know the, the Alexander family had essentially run City um, pretty much all the way just after the first world war i believe it could it could even be before then um and alexander was essentially steadfast against uh running the club but there, there was definite interest there and this was in 64 before the, the the era started when city were particularly not doing very well at all um that kind of died down a bit and, and we ran along for a few years malcolm allison and joe mercer come in um Despite me wanting to ramble up the success that came, I'm gonna kind of keep this short because this what this this pod isn't really about. See our previous pod, indeed, indeed, great plug. But um, for those who haven't listened to the previous pod, City had a golden era on the pitch where they win the league in 1968, the FA Cup in '69, in '70 they win the League Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup. Um, they nearly win the league again in 72 it's just a real golden era with, with great players like the statue we've just seen go up in front of the Etihad uh, Colin Bell Mike Summerby Francis Lee Neil Young etc Tony Buck um, but at boardroom level there's a split um, developing uh, in terms of the gentleman who, who tried to buy the club uh, in 64 or buy a controlling asset in it or a significant asset comes back to the table um, with a bid that is kind of in a clandestine way, actually being backed by Malcolm Allison, um, who has designs on becoming the manager. Um, and it becomes very toxic and very messy. Now, <clears throat> moving this along, where Mr. Swales gets involved is he essentially comes in as a mediator, being the crafty salesman that he was, um, to essentially mediate the introduction of, of the new shareholders who were to essentially bring their, old, their own board of directors uh, with the old ones following a lengthy court battle, which essentially forced Mr Alexander into selling a large asset of the club. Now, 
Chris, I don't know how familiar you are with this period, but or, or how City fan, fans in general are, but Peter Swales actually gets a foot in the door at City, not as a chairman or, or anyone with any sort of controlling stake or asset, uh, but actually to mediate between two um, rival factions at boardroom level. Obviously, behind the scenes, um, Malcolm Allison was being pretty naughty, shall we say, with designs on the manager's job. And <clears throat> some interesting facts were he was actually offered in, the, in this period the job at Juventus, um, but turned it down. Um, there were also vast numbers of, of, of other big famous clubs at the time after his services. But I think it's well documented he was a City fan at heart, Alison. Um, and this is where Swales gets involved. And can you just talk us through your understanding of, of how he becomes chairman? Uh, and basically, the club at that time, it, it's not a happy camp, is it? Despite the fact that we are continually competing and lifting trophies. I think it's interesting because you've got two power struggles effectively at that time. You've got the power struggle with Mercer and Allison, And obviously, so, so Mercer was the de facto manager and Allison was... The, uh, the the coach and I think it's also worth it's it's worth kind of giving a little bit of context to that because for all Allison's kind of fulfilment of what I would regard as that classic sixties seventies stereotype football manager you know cigar um, bit of a Casanova sheepskin coat uh, you know talks a good talk and and is very impulsive he was recognised as a very forward thinking coach and and could get I could maximize the absolute best in every player that he engaged with and so for a period of time the 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 alchemy that Mercer as that as that strategist and person manager of the players combined with um, Allison's very forward thinking um, approach to coaching and to fitness, you know, what was a really great combination, and the results on the pitch and 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 the and the the titles that that we that we gathered in that time, it, it's it's testament uh, to that. But in the same way that Gordon Brown always assumed that Tony Blair would give up his position so Brown could come in and be the prime minister, Alison was always under that was under that kind of impression that eventually Mercer would retire gracefully and he, and he would and he would take over. So obviously the power struggle there was that Mercer was not really displaying any instinct to want to do that really, and then combined with that or running parallel to that, you had that you had that kind of fractured quality within the board where you had. Those who were, who had an allegiance to the Alexander family, who, as you've said, Joe, you know, with a with a long-standing um, uh, backbone of of City at, at board level, um, and then other newer members of the board who who had ownership, who had potential ownership of the club, who were looking forward to, who were looking much more forward to bringing Alison in, and. Swales came in, and as you said, Swales came in and and did what is a strategy for any good um, negotiator is to try and gain the confidence of both sides in order to move them forward. Um, and uh, and because of that, he was able to cement his position of chairman because he was quote trusted by by both sides. How 
to what extent he was disingenuous to both sides is quite interesting uh, because I, I, I think it, it, it feels like it's, it's, it's sort of you know the best the worst kept secret in football that that while Swales was given the Alexander portion of the board there is reassurance that he wanted Mercer to remain because you know keep historically um, consistent actually he did favor he did favor uh, Allison he saw him as the more forward thinking so I think I think it's it's part for Swales it was business and he managed to cement his his, his, his position particularly as when the Allison faction of the board went when when they got that majority and Mercer was quietly removed from the club and Allison took over. So I think that, again, like just, just to echo what I said before, Swale saw an opportunity. It, 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 I can't, for a moment, I can't think that, that, a, that a businessman as savvy as him would not be able to spot where the fragility in the club was at the time at board level and could not spot where there's an opportunity for him to come in and capitalise on that. Now, many will say it was to the it was to the long term benefit of the club, but I do think that it was it's quite I think it's quite important for us to acknowledge that that's how Swales became prominent within the club is is kind of serving two masters, but ultimately serving um, himself as well. I kind of say it's quite well done on his part, but whether it really served the club longer, kind of in the long run, I'm not so sure. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.